This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. A.K.A. the Feathernator. <laughs> there it is. And you're listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things hydration and nutrition and how it affects performance. Whoop. And this week, we're diving deep, double deep into hydration because we've talked about hydration before, but this is like your master class. Right? This is, we're going next level. Isn't that right, Feathernator? We are. We are. So, just like you guys were all not necessarily carb loading well and we're like, Megan, help, help. That's what we're getting for hydration. Help. So, I'm like, listen, <laughs> right? We're going to make hydration, hydrating over the summer the easiest thing you could possibly do because you're going to know exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and learn what you need so that you can get through the summer much better hydrated and have better performance and less detrimental effects from dehydration. So that's the goal, guys. Who's in? I'm I'm definitely in. But I also think that hydrating the summer is easier because you're actually thirsty. I think hydrating in the winter is hard because one, like cold water in the summer tastes great. Cold water in the winter, not so much. You know, that's a good point because you're right. Our our thirst mechanism tanks over the winter. So maybe you're onto something there that thirst is more helpful in the summer. But what I see is all the people struggling with it. So so let's start with, Megan, let us know, like, generally speaking, what are the hydration needs for runners? So when we look at hydration needs, it's like all over the board, right? Because we can see how much our bodies need on a daily basis, which generically we say is like 2.2 liters for women and three liters for men. But, huge but there, um, is... Uh, that's just accounting for our daily hydration needs, not how much we need to replace from sweat losses. So just like we've talked about on here before, like look around your running pack. Everybody has a different sweat rate, right? Like some people are soaked, some people aren't, some people are barely glistening, you know? Um, So you guys all know that your sweat rate is highly, highly, highly variable person to person. And then also climate to climate. So, you know, my sweat rate's going to change dramatically in Florida right now than on a 50 degree degree cool morning in Ohio. So understanding how much you're losing, which sounds like a hard concept, but it doesn't have to be. And that's our goal is to make that easier for you guys to understand what are those losses, because that's what happens in the summer is we get into this slow creep of dehydration because we don't understand our sweat losses. And then our performance tanks. We feel awful. We have muscle aches, like all these things, GI issues just start. While you're jumping in there, can we talk a little bit about what are some of the signs that you're dehydrated? Like what are some of the the engine light, you know, warnings that you're going to get when you're dehydrated. Right. So, I mean, I think 
understanding what's going on in our body first can help understand like what those symptoms are. So dehydration decreases our blood volume. So if we have a lower blood volume, right, we can't perform at as high of a rate. So that increases our heart rate. We also have a decreased like blood flow to our skin and our GI tract, which is GI issues and difficulty cooling through our skin. Um, we have an increased core temperature, which I know there's, you know, some companies looking at changes in core temperature and performance and how we can digest nutrition when our core temperature gets too high. It's all really cool stuff. And then we also rely on glycogen more when we're dehydrated. So we exhaust those stores a little more quickly. So when we look at all of those factors that are happening when we get dehydrated, then we can understand why we have a decrease in performance, why we can't hold on to paces, why we feel more tired out there, all those GI issues and how they relate back to you know, decreased blood perfusion to our gut and all those types of things. And then also um, muscle cramps. So some people end up with that as well. So as you can see, like dehydration just kicks our performance into the toilet. Like there's so many things that it can do that negatively impact it. I don't know if you remember Matt Kacharski who runs with us here. He kind of has like a, a great little look of like a mohawk mullet kind of thing going on. Anyway, he ran uh, the Hat 50K. And he had a horrible performance. It was it was a little not horrible. Like it wasn't that bad. But for him, what he was aiming for, he missed what he was trying to get to. And what I talked to him just the other day, and it turns out his way that he found out he was dehydrated was something I'd never heard of before. He basically like had a break from reality, like where he was getting like tunnel vision and like he was like talking to people and he couldn't comprehend what they were saying and like basically had a uh and this was a day after the event and he what he did was he had like a coffee in the morning after the event he went for another run because of course he was like disappointed with his performance and just wanted to go for a run and then like had some form of highly caffeinated energy drink after the run and then all that caffeine i think added to his uh dehydration and he said he was talking to his wife and couldn't tell if he was in a dream state or a real state. And yeah, all this stuff. I had never heard of that before. Have you ever heard anything like that? That is wild. No, that's really extreme. I've had athletes who do the tunnel vision you described and like loss of hearing. Like some people who are really heavy, salty sweaters, they've told me that it feels like they're underwater, like they can't hear well. And like if you look at the research, none of this is documented. But, you know, as we work with more people and what you're describing and Matt, like it those things can happen and we need to recognize like what are our symptoms when we're in trouble with from a hydration standpoint and understand how that relates back so that we can fix it right i find it interesting you're talking about core body temperature increasing and then having trouble taking in nutrition but then also when our our heart rate's higher and we're and our core temperature's higher we burn more glycogen so it's like double whammy like it's mm -hmm. hard to take it in and you're burning more Right. So we're probably going to hit the wall sooner because we're going to need to oxidize fat sooner, which is a slower fuel source. So we can't hold paces. Yeah. It's again, which is why we want to stay as hydrated as possible. Go into these things hydrated um, because we do. It's just like the slippery slope for sure. OK, so how does someone figure out if they I mean, obviously, if you're experiencing this dehydration, like you like want to fix it, like how do we figure out how much we need because like you said, everyone's individualized. I'm an insanely mm -hmm. sweaty, salty sweater. But then I can be running next to someone and they look like they're like not even yeah. trying. And it's the worst. 
Right, right. No, I agree. And I think you probably know if you're a heavy sweater or not. But I think what's interesting is when you look at they've done a ton of research on runners and sweat rates. So like, quote unquote, normal sweat rate is half a liter to two and a half liters an hour. That's a difference of what, 66 ounces? You know, that's huge. So, but that's considered normal. So even though Meg and I are sitting here saying we're heavy sweaters, we're still in the normal range. Like, you know, it's, but that range is huge. So, you know, just understanding that, you know, it's probably all normal, but it's normal to us, but there is that huge range of what we're losing per hour. Um, so what we want to do, and it's very, very simple, is we want to weigh ourselves before and after a run and notice what that difference is. So there's some different parameters. We want to make sure that, you know, we're not eating anything or using the bathroom before. We don't want to have our clothes on because they're going to absorb sweat afterwards. So there's some different things and there'll be a calculator up on the website to help you guys figure this out and guide you through it. So if you're listening to this, you can hop over there and get on that kind of like the carb load calculator, but this is more of a sweat rate so that you can become aware of what am I losing per hour so that we know what to do during, we know what to do after, we know what to do that evening to really make sure that we're recouping those losses. Because as you can see, like if you're losing 60 ounces an hour more than you realize, I mean, that's wild, right? Like how do you, you can only drink probably 20, maybe 30 ounces an hour. And then where are you carrying that on your body? So then you're recouping the rest of that afterwards, which ends up being an astronomical amount of fluid if you're not being conscious about making sure you drink that back. All right. So, so real quickly, cause like it's the same thing with like nutrition. If by the time you know that you need it, it's too late. So mm-hmm. you need to kind of be prepared. And you're talking about in the morning when you wake up, getting on the scale, buck naked, <laughs> seeing where you where you come in, not even before your coffee or whatever. And then after your run, shedding all the wet clothes, getting back on, you know, same state, and then seeing what the difference is in the weight. And then your calculator that you have on the website, you can plug in that number and that will tell you what the water weight, like how many ounces you need to replenish at that point? Correct. Except the only thing I would change is you want to drink your coffee, eat whatever you're going to eat before you weigh in. So you'd get up and do all of that. So it's not going to be a true body weight, right? Because you will have had anything you want before your run, already eaten or drank, hop on the scale, head right out the door, and then come back. Um, and ideally, you would try to keep the run around an hour, but it doesn't matter. Just make sure you keep track of exactly how much time. We'll plug that into the calculator too. And you can drink when you're out there if you want to. You just need to know exactly how many ounces it was because obviously that's going to change the equation and there'll be a place to put that in the calculator too. So just keeping track of these variables, right? Starting weight, ending weight, any liquid that you took. And then also you want to keep track of the weather because this is going to change. This is going to change dramatically based on the weather. And if you can learn what your sweat rate does in different weather, you're going to be able to figure this out and stay on top of this hydration all year round so much better. Right. But here, here's my question. So when, I, when we talk about nutrition and you take it and it takes 15 minutes to kind of hit your system or whatever while i'm out there how quickly does the water that i'm drinking out of my handheld affect my my hydration so that's a really interesting question that i wish i had a perfect answer for but obviously it depends um the more dehydrated you get the longer it's going to take to absorb that fluid because really what we want is that fluid to empty out of our stomach because that's when we're going to start absorbing it so fluid stays in our stomach longer when we start to get dehydrated but 
if you were drinking something like an electrolyte drink that has some sodium, has some sugar, it's going to empty from our stomach a little bit faster and it's actually going to be absorbed faster by our GI tract. So that's why I really like, you know, that's why you hear us talking about scratch. And last week we talked about tailwind and, you know, liquid IV and some of these things that have the sugar plus the sodium because you're going to absorb it faster while you're out there to help with exactly what, you know, you're talking about, Thomas. Okay. So say that I wasn't very good and I, didn't drink all my water the night before, the day before. And, you know, I'm kind of crash course in it in the morning, you know, making sure that I, you know, drink a glass of water, have my coffee, maybe even put some scratch in my water before I go out for a run. Like how much can I change if I was a little dehydrated the day before, how much can I change my performance for the day if I, if I was like not good about hydrating the day before? If you have a little bit of time and can take in like 20 ounces two hours before and then like another eight to 10 ounces an hour before, that's going to do a ton of benefit. So if, but if you wake up and you're trying to run out the door in 20 minutes, you can probably only get down like 10 ounces and then you want to make sure you're carrying something with you. So if that happens, even if you're only running 45 minutes, 60 minutes, I would take a handheld with another serving of your favorite electrolyte drink um, out with you. But if you can give yourself some more time to absorb it, you know, we could do something where we've got something like that, you know, 20 ounces, two hours out, and then another, you know, eight to 10, one hour out um, to try to recoup from exactly what you're describing. So if someone goes, does the weigh-in, goes to your calculator, figures out like exactly what they need, what are they doing with that information? Like what do they need to be doing before, during, and after a run? So I think what's going to, help with this is understanding like how much am I losing when I'm out there and then reflecting back on like how much am I running right like if you're not running much over the summer it might be easier to keep on top of a higher sweat rate but if you're training for a marathon through the summer it's going to be really hard to keep on top of those numbers so what we we do is we kind of break it down into what am I doing before what am I doing during and what am I doing after so there's some different kind of generic guidelines on my website to help people understand how to do that and if you are a heavy sweater, like how do I need to change these types of things? Um, but really, we're breaking it into those three things, just like we do with nutrition is, you know, understanding what do we need before, how much do we need to carry and how are we going to carry it during? But then the place that I see people messing up the most is the after. So a lot of people are like, oh, shoot, I need to drink before. Oh, Megan said to carry something during. But then the after piece. So if we're thinking, all right, I'm losing 30 to 40 ounces of sweat an hour, and I'm only carrying a 20 ounce handheld for an hour and a half, how much extra have I not replaced, right? Maybe 50 ounces, you know? So it's thinking through that and reminding yourself, I need to drink that plus what my body needs for the day. So I think sometimes it can just be really eye-opening to prioritize, all right, let me go home, fill up my 32-ounce bottle with some electrolytes, drink that immediately, and I'm almost on top of the loss, you know? Let's be real, like the recommendation of like 60, like I'm supposed to be drinking like 80 ounces of water a day. It's almost like a second job to make sure I'm drinking enough water. Like, are there any tips and tricks to like, you know, and then I I guess my bladder will eventually stretch out to handle that load. But man, like I don't get any work done. I'm up (laughs) going to the bathroom every five minutes. So you bring up really two two really good points there. One is you've always said you don't think you sweat that much, and I've run with you. I agree. I don't think you're that heavy of a sweater. So maybe you actually don't uh, need I, quite I as much. So. You know what I mean? So 
to your point, like if you're going to the bathroom constantly and it's clear all the time, you're drinking too much. So, you know, maybe we don't have a good handle on how much we're doing. If you're going to the bathroom all the time and it's like a light yellow, you probably, your bladder's just, you know, small. I don't know. <laughs> but so that's a good thing to look at too, is like the color. Because you don't want your urine to be totally clear all the time. Then you're drinking too much. And that can be a dangerous thing as well. Um, and then the other piece of that is sometimes when we drink plain water, it just goes through us. So if you're having issues with that, try throwing some electrolytes into the water you're drinking and see if you can hang on to a little bit more of that. All right. Now you said electrolytes. Like most of the time I'm looking at like scratch or tailwind or something. And as a person who's conscious about how many calories, I, it's like I don't count the calories. You know that because I'm too lazy to do that. But um, I am conscious of not adding in calories where I don't feel like they're needed. And that's one area where adding in the water. Am I doing myself a disservice? Should I just say, screw it? Um, to, if it helps me drink more water, have a little sugar in there. Have a little sweet flavor. So over the summer, I think we do need these electrolytes, uh, truthfully, especially if you're salty sweater, which we can talk about in a minute. But I personally have gotten on the bandwagon of using scratch during, and then I've started using liquid IV after. Um, it, I put a, one liquid IV in like 32 ounces. I think you're supposed to put it in like half that liquid, but like one is good for me. It's a little bit lower in sugar, and it has tons of sodium in it, so it, it kind of encourages you to drink. So I think it's valuable to take into account what you're saying, Thomas. Like if you don't want to be drinking all the sugar all day long, there's a lot of people who feel that way. There are some like quote unquote lower sugar electrolyte drinks you could drink during the day and then save the higher sugar ones for during. Um, Back to the point about like replenishing what you've lost. We've talked about with nutrition how you have like that 30 to 60 minute window to get the protein, your protein and your carbs to replenish for recovery. How does hydration work? Like, do we need to be chugging water when we get home or do we have like all day to replenish? That's a great question. We have all day. So timing is not as important with hydration. Honestly, the biggest thing with timing is like, if you chug it all at once, to Thomas's point, it's going to go through you more quickly. There's actually good research to show that if we spread our hydration out, like at the end of the day, if we're like, oh crap, I didn't drink enough today and we chug 50 ounces of water, like it's not. 50 ounces of water right like our body's not going to hang on to all of that so it is better to Mm. spread it out but that being said if you pair fluid replacement with your protein shake with your meal like sometimes it can be helpful just to remind ourselves and build that habit to drink enough that would be the only reason i would tell people to like pair it together but it doesn't necessarily have to be at a certain time megan since you are a a heavy sweater i'm talking to non-feather megan um when you get back from a run, usually, because I don't really pay that much attention, do you, are you downing water? Like, what are you, what are you doing typically, like, when you, you come back from a hot run? I, it really depends. Like, sometimes I'm very, very thirsty. Like, if I, if I carried a water bottle and I'm totally out, I'm usually, like, really thirsty when I get home. But a lot of times I find I'm not thirsty when I get home, even though I've sweat a ton. Like, I'm not hungry and I'm not thirsty. I just don't really want anything. Um, so it usually takes me like, I don't know, 30 minutes or more before I'm like, okay, I should drink something or eat something. And a follow up question that when I do see Megan drinking, you drink a lot of, of the carbonated waters, like the. Sure do. What do they call it? Seltzer waters. (laughs) Bubbly waters. Bubbly waters. (laughs) Um, you love that stuff and there's nothing in that, that that, like, is, is that as good as regular water? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Bubbly water is just as good as regular water. Um, but there's no electrolytes is probably what you're getting at, Thomas. But I think that brings up a good point. Like, obviously, we need to replace everything we lose in sweat, which is salt, too. And we can do that from an electrolyte drink or we could do it from bubbly water or regular water and salt in our food. So yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. <laughs> yeah. So I personally just let that one fly right do over. the <laughs> do the electrolyte drink. So scratch or tailwind before and during the run. I don't like taking them after, but I will drink a bunch of water and then I am usually having something salty to eat with yeah. it. So I feel like this is actually a good segue here because sweat rate is one piece, but sweat composition is another piece. So sweat rate is going to tell us how much sweat we're losing, but then, which we can obviously do at home by the way in, way out. But sweat composition is telling us how much electrolyte is in our sweat, which is a totally different thing and something we need like a lab for or a company for. But there are some really good research studies that just asking ourselves some simple questions, we can figure out kind of where on the spectrum we fall from like sodium loss because that's a piece of rehydration as well. This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science-backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to InsideTracker.com. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash fuel. Yeah, so like I know obviously we talk about salt is the big one that we lose, but what else are we losing in our sweat and do we need to replenish it? So we're losing sodium, chloride, potassium magnesium and calcium. And I get this question a lot. People are like, well, what about the magnesium and the potassium? And when you really look at how much we're losing in sweat, it's sodium. That's like the number one thing that we're losing in chloride. But the potassium, the magnesium, the calcium, it's really minimal. So we don't truthfully even really need to focus on that. Eat a well-balanced diet and you'll get the rest of that back. It's that sodium piece that can really zap performance, that can increase GI issues. Um, cause headaches for a lot of people after runs. Um, so if we're not replacing the salt we've lost, um, it can be a huge issue. So kind of looking at the general like amount of salt that people are losing, what they've found from testing the sweat composition of runners is that about 900 milligrams per liter is, is pretty normal for a sweat loss, right? So if we're thinking most of us are losing one to two liters an hour of sweat, that's 900 to 1800 milligrams of salt an hour. I mean, that's about, I think it's like 2300 milligrams they tell us to eat a day. So you're easily almost losing a day's need of salt per hour if you're a decent sweater. So you could see that if you're not adding salt back into your food, you're getting, you know, at a huge deficit from this as well that can cause fatigue, headaches, GI issues, muscle cramps, all sorts of stuff if we don't stay on top of this. So what I often hear from people is that they crave salt in the summer. I say lean into that. Like if you're craving salt, it's probably because you're not getting enough to replace what you're sweating um, on, you know, those warm days. Other than just throwing salt onto your food, what are some ways to increase that sodium uptake during the summer? I think 
always carrying an electrolyte drink in that bottle, Thomas, instead of just water <laughs> can be really helpful. And then obviously electrolytes beforehand, during. Um, so the one thing that we can do if you don't want to pay to have your you know, sweat composition tested is like when your sweat starts to dry on you, if you barely have any salt stains or really can't find any anywhere, you probably have a pretty low concentration of salt in your sweat. If you see lines like on your face, maybe a little bit on your clothes, you're probably pretty moderate. Like most people should see a little bit, but then we've all seen those people that have those crazy like white streaks across their spandex shorts and tops and their faces are totally white. Those are our heavy salty sweaters. So I hate those like, people. <laughs> which bucket <laughs> do you land in, right? To know how aggressive we need to get with the sodium. If you're even the um you know moderate you've seen the salt stains right but they're not crazy up to the heavy we probably need some sort of higher sodium electrolyte supplement so we've seen like liquid iv has 500 milligrams that lmnt has a thousand milligrams we're seeing these higher sodium supplements coming onto the market because people are realizing like holy crap like it's really hard to get the sodium back if i'm not to thomas's point dousing everything in salt throughout the day if i'm training hard and for a lot of hours over the over the summer and again this plays into the counter intelligence of normal nutrition this is why we have this mm -hmm. program versus a standard nutrition podcast on just regular people the reason why the salt is there is because we're using it and mm -hmm. we need to replenish it if you have a non-runner in your house you shouldn't be dousing all their food with salt and possibly making sure that all their they probably taste your hydration drink and they're like oh that's not bad let me add some of that i need to be hydrated and they're going to they don't necessarily need it so the the advice you're giving is for people that are out there sweating it up mhm mm mhm mm for like an hour or more most days is where it's really going to start to to build up and if you're still not sure cuz if you live in a really like humid climate you might never ever see your sweat dry right and then you might not know am i salty or not so a lot of times when people come to me and they tell me they have a complete intolerance to training in the heat like i just can't do it or they've had a history of some sort of heat illness, or they end up and feel really dizzy after runs or lightheaded, right? Even while they're running or after they're running. Um, or if when you're sweating, like it stings your face or stings your eyes, like all of those things would lead me to believe that you're a pretty salty sweater as well. So, you know, those are just some other things to look for. Again, I, you know, we don't all have access to be able to test and find out how much sodium are we losing. You know, Meg and I both did it and it's really cool and we can do it. But, you know, a lot of people just don't have access to that. So using some of those other symptoms can be helpful. And for someone who is a soupy, soupy, a soupy. Su <laughs> super salty sweater like you and I are, are there certain products or things you recommend they do during the run? So like, is scratch enough or should you be doing scratch and something else? So I have had some people, Scratch also makes like a wellness formula that has 800 milligrams of sodium. So sometimes I'll have people bump up to that. The other thing that's really popular is um, like salt stick, the salt stick caps, like pills that have like 215 milligrams. Which is crazy because like the chewable ones. I got because I think that's a more fun way to take that. But those don't have enough salt in them. You have to eat four and a half of the chews to equal one pill. So yeah, it's like a commitment to take a meaningful amount 
keep your eyes peeled, guys. If you need more salt, start reading labels because there's a lot better products out there now that can help people. Um, but one question we got as part of this was like, when do I use salt tabs? Which honestly is a really hard question to answer. But if you only want to use water when you're training through the summer, we need some salt tabs in there too, right? Like if you're, I have some people that come to me and they're like, I'm not going to drink an electrolyte drink. I don't like them. I don't want to use them. So we throw some salt tabs with the water. Or if you're somebody who's really salty, we would take salt tabs in addition to a higher sodium electrolyte drink um, just to make sure that we're staying on top of it. And then part of it too with the salt tabs is the duration that you're out there. So if you're training is under 90 minutes the whole summer, you're probably okay to recoup that afterwards and just take like a high sodium drink while you're out there. But if you're training for two, three hours out there, I have a lot of like half Ironman training right now that are out there for hours and hours and hours in the heat on their bike or running. And um, I mean, clearly that's where we need to be much more strategic with the salt pills and how much sodium's in our drinks and how many bottles are we taking. So it just kind of depends on the duration you're out there too. For someone who is not going to go get the sweat test and they're maybe a little bit unsure of where they fall, do you just recommend they go out and and sort of test it out? Like put one scoop in, see if that works. If you're still feeling fatigued or like it's not right, add another one kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And two, taking into account, like how much are you losing when you're out there? So if you don't want to get it tested and we think you're pretty average, figure out like how many liters you're losing, right? So two pounds on the scale is a liter. So if you're losing two pounds an hour or four pounds an hour, you know, we need 900 or 1800 milligrams. So, you know, that could be helpful too, is kind of thinking about it from those standpoint too. Um, but yeah, it is. It's trial and error. Even for people that we know how much salt they're losing, it's still some trial and error. So I think that's the best thing to do. What happens if, like, what are some of the symptoms if you have too much salt? Like you get your, like if you're trying trial and erroring this, uh, what what would happen? How would you know if you're overdoing it? And you know what's tricky about that is they're kind of similar. So if somebody isn't taking enough salt on a run, their fingers get really swollen. I've seen that a lot. Like that, sometimes that's the people's first um, inclination that something's wrong. They're like, Megan, my hands are swelling so bad when I'm out there. After my run, my hands are so swollen. And then we get to talking and they're really salty and we realize they need more salt. But if we're getting too much salt on a daily basis, sometimes we feel swollen. Our hands are swollen too. So it's kind of thinking about the timing of it. Like, where is it hitting? Like, is the swelling hitting like later during the day? Then maybe we're overdoing it with the salt. Um, and also too, like if you don't feel good, like if you think about like if you have like a crazy heavy Chinese dinner that is full of sodium and you just feel thirsty all night and you just don't feel great, like those types of things is what it, you would feel like as well if you're taking too much salt in. But it, that's hard. That's that's a really good question that I don't have like a solid concrete answer for. I, I did too much scratch in one of my bottles when I was running the Donna Marathon and it was like it was just too concentrated. And I got like severe heartburn and nausea and just did not feel great. It almost sounded like a Pepto-Pismol commercial there. <laughs> severe nausea. What does it go? Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like heartburn is is my symptom where I can tell it's done too much. Yeah. Yeah. I did that at Boston. I don't think I ever told you guys that. I think I put too much in my bottle and the first swig it just felt like acid. Go I was like, oh, shoot. So I like got some water and diluted it <laughs> right away. But I was like, Megan, you're a sports dietitian. You didn't mix your bottle right for Boston. <laughs> Wait, you, you diluted it mid-run? 
Like you poured yeah, water in your bottle? I was like, this isn't going to go out. Yeah, I did. I opened it up and dumped That's a little impressive. bit out and poured water in. Yeah. And still sub three hours. By a lot. <laughs> okay, Megan, give us our three takeaways from today's episode. We want to remember that our sweat rate and our sweat composition are highly personalized, right? All of that is genetic, and we need to understand that our needs are going to be very, very different from other people's, and that's kind of the goal of this podcast and and the sweat rate calculator is for you to get familiar with what your hydration needs are and start playing with them and tinkering with them because it's not always very clear cut of how we do this, right? And then second piece is it's imperative that we're thinking about our hydration both before, during, and after our run to make sure we're staying on top of it. Because if we're focusing just at one of those places, as Thomas mentioned, we're probably behind the eight ball and not going to stay well hydrated through the summer. Um, And then two, really important to know that in order to fully recover post-training and between training cycles in the summer, we have to fully rehydrate. So if we aren't aware of our fluid losses and we aren't staying on top of it, we're never going to fully recover. And that's going to really impact our training and our performance and our advancement in our fitness and all that kind of stuff. So moral here is understanding our sweat rate and taking an inventory of hydration and what we need to change can be an absolute game changer for training um, over the summer. Okay, I am going to leave, well, Megan's going to end this one, but I'm going to leave everyone with a general tip for running this summer because I think it's really easy for, just like we are talking about how hydration is extremely personal, so is training, and I think it's really easy to look at other people's training and compare what you're doing to what they're doing or even what you used to be able to do and what you can do now. So I think the summer is a perfect time to remember to not worry about what anyone else is doing. Don't compare your running to anyone else's. Go out there, run by effort. The paces are probably not gonna be on target because it's hot and humid. And just set your goal for the day. And something fun to try this week is the sweat rate calculator. So head to the website. Like I said, lots of information on there to try to help you guys nail this this summer. Keep us updated on how it's going, what questions you have. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in this week. If you have a question that we have not answered, you can submit one on the Anchor app. Just go to anchor.fm and hit the message button, or you can email us at fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. Yep, peas and carrots. All right, see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Double wet. Oh, God. (laughs) Stop. Stop. (laughs) X, X. X. So wet. (laughs) The wettest episode yet. Oh, you were recording. Uh, That's fine. Ready to go? Um, You guys love making my job hard. Derailed. Totally derailed. I think... Like Did you like my accent voice. there? Did I turned four day. I turned slightly British. <laughs> okay. <Video. laughs> Good eye. <laughs> I mean, she hates us. that that had to happen. So go to your thing, do the calculator, and stay wet, my friends. <laughs>
This might this might be our moist uh, important hydration podcast yet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Here we are. And if Megan was a sweater, she'd be like one of them heavy cable knit Irish sweaters. That's how heavy she is a sweater. Okay. That's my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Milk was a bad choice.